We're going to go ahead and jump into the message this morning. Um, we're actually going to be finishing. We, we kind of had a, a, a divine, thank goodness, I love these, divine interruption a couple weeks ago. So we're actually going to be finishing our Christmas series. And again, like I said, I kind of still look at it as Christmas. Um, I know there's certain individuals that, that kind of look at Christmas season being ending, I think, on the 6th of January. Is that when Epiphany is that right? Yeah. So, so we're technically in my world, I guess, and because I can, you know, I want to live in my little world every once in a while. We're still in the Christmas season. And so we're going to go ahead and finish our Christmas series up this week. We'll be moving on to something new uh, next week and into January. But I wanted to finish up our Christmas series this week. Um, obviously, our series has been entitled A Christmas TV Special Christmas. Today, we're going to actually be talking about uh, prep and leading. Prep and leading. There is a new Christmas special that came out. It's actually probably a little bit older now that I would like to admit, mainly because I, it came out when I was an adult and, and uh, I really enjoyed this one. And, and basically it's, it's, a, it's a TV special called Prep and Landing. Has anybody heard about Prep and Landing before? Okay. I like Prep and Landing. I think it's real cute and I enjoy it and, and things like that. Well, uh, we're going to show a clip from Prep and Landing this morning that are going to kind of lead into our message and what we're going to be talking about. But let me kind of give you, it'll do a pretty good job of explaining this, but let me kind of give you just a little bit more information so we know. Uh, basically in this story there are elves and the elves are there and these are specially trained kind of Elves that, that basically are trained to basically sneak into your home before Santa comes and prepare the house so that Santa can get in and out of the house as quickly and as effectively as possible. Okay, And so basically, this is what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. And it'll make sense, hopefully, if it doesn't, um, well, you know, we'll just do it the best we can um, before. But if you want to, Monica, if you want to roll that clip, we're going to show you a real quick clip from Prep and Landing. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed <laughs> Have you ever wondered how it all gets done? How Santa gets in and out of millions of homes and all in one night? Let's just say he has a little help. The operation has its challenges. But we're always prepared. mission statement. Get in, get out, never be noticed. I'm part of Prep and Landing, an elite unit of elves getting houses around the world ready
ready for the big guy's arrival. Well, it's a fun little show anyway. And the thing is, you know, and, and it kind of, you know, I, I like how God works sometimes because it kind of does fit where we're at right now. Because the thing is, we as, as, as a culture, we have now celebrated the coming of Jesus. He has now come. And, and, and that is great and that is awesome. But there's, there's more that now needs to be done. It is now time to prepare the way. It is now time to get things ready for what Jesus wants to do in us and in our world. Because it's, again, we, we talked about this at candle lighting on Christmas Eve. It's more than just expecting Jesus to stay in the manger. It's understanding that the boy grew up. And he taught and he, he experienced life and he showed us Christ, he showed us what God was like and the Father was like. He showed us how we should act and respond. But we have to also remember that if we look in Matthew chapter 3, we see something important. We see that John the Baptist prepares the way. He, we see that, that, that God didn't just send Jesus. He actually sent a forerunner of Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus. And we need to understand that today, that's our job. That, that Christ is here, Christ has come, Emmanuel is here. Now our job as Christians, as followers of Christ, is to prepare the way, is to get those things ready and get people ready to experience Christ. In Matthew, the third chapter, it says this, in chapter 3, starting with verse number 1, it says this, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he who was spoken of the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel hair and leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when they saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming up to him to be baptized, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. Excuse me, Abraham as our father. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I don't know about your Bible. My Bible has little subtitles over certain sections. And my subtitle over this section in the Bible I'm using today, which is ESV, says John the Baptist prepares the way. In, in, our, in, our, in our little clip, in our movie that we saw this morning, what we experience is, is basically the elves preparing the way for Santa to come and to do the things that Santa was going to do. They were preparing, it showed them, you know, making sure the tree could fit the present, making sure the stockings were open so he could get things in, making sure, I guess Santa is, is, is got a nut allergy or something, you know, because he makes sure the cookies doesn't have any nuts in it, make sure the milk is at the right temperature, so everything is prepared. So when Santa comes, everything's ready. 
I really believe that what God is wanting to do in our church and in this community is God is wanting to do something big. He's wanting to do something important. And he's wanting us, as John the Baptist was doing, to prepare the way for him, to make things ready for him so that when he comes and he does the things he wants to do, the people and our church and this community is ready. And so I thought it fit really good into as we're closing out this year and closing out those things. But we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. How do we prepare ourselves to prepare the way? How do we get ready to do the things that need to happen to prepare the way for Jesus to come and to fulfill the mission that he desires to do in us, in this church, and in this community? And the first thing I believe is he wants us to prepare the way by repenting. Prepare the way by repenting. Look at Matthew 3, 2. It says, this repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand now repent here means something a little bit different than what you really probably understand it to mean and we're going to talk about that for just a second but first I want to start with this sometimes repent is kind of a dirty word sometimes repent we don't like that word I even put that down as I was putting that down in our notes a couple weeks ago as I was putting this together I was like boy that, that, that word just kind of even has a bad kind of yeah I don't like it in our world today you know we like to talk about forgiveness we like to talk about grace and all those things are true good and right but repentance is something that kind of has a negative idea but we have to understand something it is entirely accurate to say that repent is the first word of the gospel entirely accurate look in your notes and i put these down here for you to see repent was the first word of john the baptist gospel repent was the first word of jesus's gospel repent was the first word in the preaching ministry of the 12 disciples repent was the first word in the preaching instructions jesus gave to his disciples after his resurrection repent was the first word of exhortation in the first christian sermon and repent was the first word in the mouth of the apostle paul throughout his ministry and there's Scripture references there. Repent matters. Repent is important. Why? Why are we seeing this? I look, look, look. I, I, I look at it this way, and I'm not going to speak for anybody else but me. But when God repeats himself a lot, there is something there that he is trying to get us to understand. And God, in his infinite knowledge and infinite understanding of me, knows that I need to hear it several times before it's going to get through this thick skull of mine. And it's that idea of repentance. So what does repentance mean? What does that look like? What, what is, what is, when, when, when Jesus is using the word repent, or Paul, or John the Baptist, or the disciples, or even me today, what does that word really mean? Because we use it a lot, and we hear it a lot, and we think we get it, but there's something deeper here. Listen, repentance is not feeling sorry for your sin. Okay? I, I've done this with my child. I remember having this when I was a kid. I remember hearing this. You need to be sorry for your sin. Now, hear me here, okay? I think it's good that we do at times feel sorry for, for our sin. There's going to be consequences to sin. That's just scriptural. That's how it works. But listen, being repenting and repenting has nothing to do with a feeling, okay? Repentance here is not a feeling word. It's an action word, okay? Repentance is not, oh, I'm sorry I messed up. I'm sorry I made a mistake. And I remember hearing that as a kid. Listen, when you sin, you go to Jesus, and what do you do? Jesus, I'm sorry. Now, again, I don't believe that that's bad. I don't believe that that is a situation that we need to look at and go, why well, we shouldn't feel that way. I don't think that at all. But repentance in this context, is different, 
Okay? Repentance here is a change. It is an action. It is understanding. It's not a feeling, but it's a situation where we're going to stop doing the sin and actually change how we're living our lives. Okay? Listen, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay? If I go up to Gordon, and I walk up to Gordon, and I slap Gordon across the face, I'm not going to do that, Gordon, because you will hurt me, okay? But I slap him across the face, and I say, oh, Gordon, I'm so sorry. And Gordon, in his infinite patience and infinite grace, says, Aaron, it's okay. I forgive you. And then I go, whack, I hit him again. And I say, Gordon, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. And he goes, again, in his infinite, you know, it's okay. Finally, the third, I hit him again. Listen, I'm not repenting at that point. I feel maybe sorry, but I'm not stopping what I'm doing. Repentance is this. Repentance is slapping Gordon across the face, saying, Gordon, I'm sorry, and not slapping him again. Okay? Listen, we like to talk about repentance. Repentance is going one way, stopping, and going the opposite way. What John is saying here is not repent, feel sorry for the things you've done. He's saying repent, stop doing them, and go the opposite direction. Listen, we all mess up. We all sin. Every single one of us. We're dealing with sin. God is transforming us, meaning we're not finished yet. But in that, we need to understand when Christ or when John or when Paul, whatever we're seeing, are writing these words, they're not saying just simply feel sorry. They're saying change direction. Change what you're doing. Change the situation that you find yourself in. Look at your notes. It says this. John told his listeners to make a change of the mind, not merely to feel sorry for what they have done. Repentance speaks of a change of direction, not a sorrow in the heart. And that, that's kind of a problem because you know what we do in our society today? We feel. Ooh, we're feelers. And if I feel this, that's, that's more important than actually doing something. Okay? And that's not what the Christian should be doing. The Christian can feel and experience things, and then our job is to act, okay? Our job as Christians is not to say, I am so sorry you have nothing. I am so sorry you are hungry. Bye-bye. God has not called us to do that. God has called us to say, I am so sorry you are hungry. Now, I will help you to get you something to eat. There's action. There's more than just an understanding of sorry. We must act. And here in the idea of repentance, if we are going to prepare the way for Jesus, we need to be more than just feelers, we need to be doers. Okay? More than just feelers, we need to be doers. Next, we prepare the way by washing up. We prepare the way by washing up. Look at Matthew 3, 5 through 6. It says this, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, we need to look at this, okay, because what, what we're seeing here is something completely different, okay? Now, we are completely 
aware of baptism, okay? I, 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 my family was in town this week. They've actually, they actually left this morning. And I, had, I, I brought them by the church because they wanted to see the church. And, and they walked up here and they said, oh, what's, what's, in, what's in here? I said, oh, that's the baptismal, okay? That's the tank. We, we get that open. We fill that with water and we dunk people. And, and, and we understand baptism. But to the Jewish mindset during this time, baptism was something completely different. It was something they weren't used to. Okay? Look in your notes here. I wanted to put this in here because I wanted you to see this. And sometimes my mind can miss things and I wanted you to see this. But listen here on the notes. This is this. Baptism was already practiced in the, Jew, in the Jewish community in the form of ceremonial immersions. But typically, it was only practiced among Gentiles who wish to become Jews. Okay, so we have to stop there. So for a Jewish person to experience this, this was rare. This didn't happen very often. This was reserved for the unclean Gentile who had to get so cleaned up that they had to get dumped. Okay? Most of the ceremonial washings that they did were not complete immersions. So basically in this, they wanted to become Jews and that would happen. Let me finish. For the Jews in John's day to submit to baptism was essentially saying... I confess that I am as far away from God as a Gentile, and I need to get right with him. Now, listen, I know that's hard sometimes for our American Western mind to understand, okay? But this is something big, okay? To be a Gentile was as far away from God as you could possibly be. To do something that the Gentile would do is a big, big deal. The fact that we see John out in the river actually doing this and and, and baptizing people. It was their people that were basically saying, listen, I got some dirt. I got some filth in me and I need to get closer to God. I need to experience him. And for a Jewish person and a Jewish mindset, this was huge. This was massive. This is why all these people are out there going, what's going on? This is, this is like changing the whole community. And people are going out going, wait a minute, that's not a Gentile. That's a Jew. Why, is they, why are they getting baptized? Because they understood something. They had to get close to God because they were far away. Listen, there is no shame. There is no guilt. In the, uh, uh, when we go to God and say, God, I need you to completely consume me again. Okay? Because here's the thing, you get into water, you get up here and we baptize you and it's great and you walk out and what happens? You're going to walk out here and you're going you're gonna to take you a trail and it's going to all the way down and maybe you go out that door, maybe you go, and there's this path of water that's just following you around. But guess what? Guess what's going to happen? You're going to walk, and if you stay in those clothes, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to keep doing it and guess what's going to happen? You're going to dry out. It doesn't matter how wet you are. It doesn't matter how long you stay in that tank. At some point, you're going to dry out. And God, in that moment, wants to dunk you again. He wants you to take you down. He wants you to say, come on, get in my spirit. Get in my word. Get in prayer. Get in this depth. Get all wet all over again. Listen, the world is dry. They need some wet Christians that are going to walk it and start throwing water around. Got me? It's okay to get washed up. It's okay to let God do what God was wanting to do this morning, which is look deep inside of you and begin to, to look at those areas. What, that, what is that? That's God dunking those areas. That's God taking the spirit and putting more and more and more and more. Listen, you are never going to get to a place where you're too wet in God. Okay? You're never going to get to a place. 
where God, you, God looks at you and he says, man, you're soaked. You're good. See ya. And I love that. You know why? Because everything's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's, 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 a, that's a picture that I see of just, it just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. It doesn't stop because as soon as it stops, what's it do? It stops running over. And that's what God wants to do in you. That's what God wants to do in me, to prepare the way. He wants us to get in him and get washed up and get ready for these things, to be wet and ready so that, we, listen, you ever, you ever hug somebody that's wet and you're dry? You ever done it? Usually it's not a, a positive, you know. Usually it's like, I'm all wet, I'm going to hug you, get you wet. But you know what? 100% of the time, when I've watched a wet person hug a dry person, the dryness does not transfer to the wet person, does it? Does it? No. No, I could, I could, I could have drenched myself and been a real pain and, and just walked up to you this morning and hugged you. And every single one of you that I'd hug, as long as I was wet, you would have gotten wet. Can I ask you a simple question? Spiritually speaking, are you wet enough that if you walk up to a dry person and give them a hug, spiritually speaking, they're going to get wet? Can I just be honest? Sometimes I'm pretty dry. Sometimes I'll hug somebody and they go, well, that was lovely. You see, some part of that part of that washing is getting you wet. So that you walk out into a dry world and you walk up to family members or coworkers or children or parents or whoever. And you, you give, you're going to transfer wetness to them and it's going to be a beautiful thing. But listen, you've got to get wet to do it. You want to prepare the way for Christ and what he wants to do in your family and in your community and in your workplace. You've got to be getting wet so that happens. Number three, we prepare the way by making paths straight. By making paths straight. Look at Matthew 3, 3. It says this. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. This is talking about John the Baptist. He said, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the ways of the Lord Make his path straight, Isaiah. And that, that comes from Isaiah 43. I'm gonna, because of time, I'm going to just read here from the notes so that we can get through uh, some of this area. But, and this will be easier to communicate this way. But it says this. It says, the idea is taken from the practice of Eastern monarchs who, whenever they entered upon an expedition or took a journey through a desert country, sent servants before them to prepare all things for their passage. These servants opened the passes, leveled the ways, and removed all impediments. You've got to understand when he says making paths straight, that was literally something that people would do. This is not a pie in the sky, by and by, glory, glory, hallelujah. This is actually some people would go out and make the way for the king to come. They would get dirty. They would get their hands in the dirt. And they would get things level. And they would get things ready. Why? Because they didn't have air suspensions at that day. They didn't have chariots that basically and things that they were sitting on that were comfortable. And they didn't want that king to get jostled and bumpy. So they basically went out and they got it all set up in all level. Basically, it's like we want to go from here to that door and they didn't want to go around the bend they didn't want to go back through the door they wanted to go straight there and so they would get that path all nice and ready so when the king came he had no impediments to go where he wanted to go he had no problems going and doing the mission that he had listen sometimes god is going to call us to go out and make the path straight and listen that's going to take you to get out and get your hands dirty okay Those servants back then couldn't wish those paths straight any more than we can. 
Sometimes that means we're going to have to get out of here. And if we're going to prepare the way for Jesus and get his path ready and get his path straight, it's going to get messy and it's going to get dirty and it's going to be hard and it's going to be sweaty and you're going to get muddy. But that's what servants do. That's what we're called to do. And we need to understand that. So this is a very visual picture that scripture is giving us that they understood immediately because they had seen it done. And listen, let's obviously be flat honest with you. If you're not willing, okay, hear me here, because this is in love, but you need to hear it. If you aren't willing to make paths straight for Jesus, you're not a servant of his. Okay? You hear me? You're not. Because the servant get the path ready for Jesus to come. A lot of times what we do, and this is good, is we pray and we spend time, oh God, can you just, can you just help my family or my friends or, or whatever, experience your love, and, and can you do this, and can you do that? And you know what sometimes we do, and let's just be honest, sometimes instead of making paths straight for that person to get to Jesus or Jesus to get to them, we're the ones that put up the barriers. We're the ones that put up the walls because of the way we act, the way we respond, or the way we treat them, or the way they see us treat others. Maybe our job is not so much to do, to do that, but to get things ready. Get that pass straight. Okay? How many of you ever watched the Olympics? Everybody raise your hand because everybody watched the Olympics. Okay, everybody with me? Okay. I have never seen an Olympic track with hills on it. Have you? Now, maybe there's some cross-country thing I don't know about, but I'm talking about the track at that stadium that they pay way, way, way too much money for. Never once have I seen a hill on it. Listen, let's make sure that on the tracks between people we love and people God places in our path and Jesus, that, that we don't put up some hills. Let's make that sure that path is nice and flat so we're ready. So they're ready to experience God. They're ready to experience Him and our, their paths are straight and they are ready for that. Number four, the last thing. We prepare the way by bearing fruit, by bearing fruit. Look at Matthew 3, 8. We're going to look at 3, 8, and then we're going to jump to verse number 10, okay? It says this, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. I think that's beautiful. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Even now, jumping to verse number 10, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Listen, I also liked Matthew 3, 8 in the NLT. And it says this. I think it was really cool. I wanted to put this on there. It says this. Prove by the way you live that you have repented. Now remember, repentance, I'm not just feeling sorry for myself. I'm not just feeling sorry for what I've done. But I'm changing. I'm changing my direction. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove this. Listen. You need to understand who John's audience here is, okay? John here is not just talking to the individuals that have come down for baptism. He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the men who feel like they are good and in right standing with God because they are a son of Abraham. 
John here does not mix words. He does not try to coddle them. He basically says, you are the people I'm talking to. You are the people who are not bearing fruit. And the axe is laid by the tree. What is the imagery there? What does that mean? What is John trying to get them to understand? Very simply this. It's already there. It has to be picked up and used. It's not like I got to go sharpen the axe. It's not like I go buy one. It's not like I go find one. It is laid by the tree. Listen, you've got to understand something. God has asked you, and in more so, God has commanded you and me to produce fruit and much fruit. And he's been very clear in multiple passages of Scripture what happens when we don't. Can I, can I just be honest with, with where I think America is as a culture? Never have we seen a country so blessed. Never have we seen more people that live with a sense of entitlement. I don't think in any other that I've ever seen. And I believe very strongly, very strongly, that God has placed the axe by the tree because America has stopped producing fruit. Yeah, there's a remnant. There will always be a remnant. Thank God for the remnant. But listen, if you think that God's blessing is going to continue because you live in this country, they did the same thing. And John looked at him and said, listen, the axe is by the tree. Listen, I, I, I'm not trying to be mean and I'm not trying to knock you over the head because I don't believe that's how God works and I don't want to work that way. And if you feel I'm doing that, please hear my heart. I'm sorry. That's not the intention here. But it's quite simply, you need to look at your life. Be honest with yourself. Are you producing fruit? And if it is, it should be obvious, it should be easily named, and if it isn't, I would say there needs to be more fruit in our lives. Okay? And again, we're not, I'm not taking you, and I'm not kicking you in the rear end out the door. Okay? But I'm helping you understand what Scripture says here. And listen, 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 I don't produce sometimes good fruit either. Okay? Sometimes I don't, I don't produce fruit. Sometimes I get tired, and I, and I think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm, yeah, Hey, man, axe is by the tree. And we have to understand that. Because if we're producing fruit, check this out. Listen, if we're producing fruit, then people are going to see the fruit in our lives. And if the fruit we're producing is the fruit of the Spirit, which we're supposed to be producing, then they're going to see Jesus in us. And the Jesus they're going to see is going to be beautiful and wonderful, and they're going to want some. Why does the world want not want Jesus? Because the fruit the church is mainly producing isn't very attractive fruit. It's judgmental fruit. It's you got to get your crap together fruit. It's not love fruit. It's not peace fruit. It's not patience fruit. It's not kindness fruit. It's not gentleness fruit. It's not self-control fruit. We're producing fruit. We're just not producing very good fruit. Look at Luke 6. In Luke 6, we find this, verse number 34 through 46. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit this is important a tree is identified by its fruit figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from brabble bushes a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart 
what you say flows from what is in your heart. I, I, I think you need to understand this, and this is why I put this here. A lot of times we sit there and we'll say, okay, well, I, I want to produce good fruit. I know God's commanded me to good, produce good fruit. How do I produce good fruit? It's simple. It's just as simple as understanding how an apple tree produces apples. Okay? First, you understand that the tree was created that way. It's a natural expression of being an apple tree to produce apples. Okay? But in a Christian's life, there's something deeper. It comes from what's in here. When I was growing up, I heard it all the time. Garbage in, garbage out. When you get good things in this heart, good stuff will naturally come out of it. Okay? Listen, we make this so hard in our lives. And it's not really hard at all. Listen, if you surround yourself with negative, bitter people, guess what's going to happen to you? More than likely, you're going to get a little more bitter, you're going to get a little more angry. When I was a youth pastor, I used to do this, and I used to love to do this because the kids always got a kick out of it. I would take one kid, and i put a chair up here, and maybe some of you have seen this before, and I'd put the chair up here on the, on the platform, and I'd find the smallest and the biggest kid I could find, okay? And I would basically have a situation where I would have the biggest kid on the chair and the smallest kid on the floor. And I'd say, okay, big guy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull that kid with one hand up to that chair. And I mean, man, they try, you know, and I wouldn't, you know, I mean, they try. And sometimes, you know, sometimes they actually get them up there, you know, depending, you know. Big old senior in high school, maybe seventh grader, and maybe it could work. But man, it would be a struggle. And then I'd look at that little seventh grade girl, and I'd say, pull down that football player from that chair. And that little girl would go, whoop, and down he'd come. Listen. Who you hang around matters. What you expose yourself to matters. What you do matters. How you talk matters. How you look at situations matters. It affects you and it affects others. Listen, I know I don't always do this. I know I fail in this a lot, but I try really hard to be the type of person that when people are around me, I've made it easier for them to produce fruit in their hearts. But sometimes I don't do a very good job of that. Sometimes I get upset and I get frustrated and I start producing that bad fruit and it produces in other people's lives. Why is that important? Because there are people that God has placed you in close proximity to to make a difference in their life and they are going to sample your fruit. They're going to sample it. And whether you like it or not, they're going to look at Jesus and they're going to say, they're going to make judgment calls on who he is by the fruit you give them. Simple as that. And look, I get it. Everybody's looking down. Nobody's looking up at me right now because everybody's going, oh, man, I'm tired of hearing about this. Look, folks, tell you what, I'll make you a deal, okay? When we start producing good fruit, when I start producing good fruit on a more consistent level, I'll stop harping on it, okay? Is that fair? Is that cool? Because right now, whether you need it, I need it. 
because I want to prepare the way for Jesus. Okay? I want to get things ready for him to come. Look, he's, he's come, okay? He came. We sang. We lit candles. It was fun. It was great. Now the work starts. Now we start preparing roads and we start preparing ways in the lives of people, in the lives of ourselves. We're getting things ready for his arrival to come and begin to do some amazing things. Can you think about the story of Jesus for just a second? We don't have a lot after Luke and after Matthew to talk about Jesus as a boy. We have a quick story about him going to the temple. We have a little blurb of him growing in favor with God and man. And then all of a sudden, man, guess where he's at? He's getting baptized and getting tempted. It's time to go to work. I think that's interesting, and I think we need to notice that. Okay? I think we need to see that, because it's time now to start getting things ready. It's time now for us. What, listen, listen there, there has been a method to the madness this entire first year. Okay? I will let you know on the secret. Are you ready? You, good thing you came today. You'll hear the secret. Okay? This first year... Most of it has been all about us trying to get ready to go. What is our mission statement? Help people find, discover, and grow in Jesus. Okay? How can we do that effectively? First, we get ready. We start producing fruit. We start getting things ready in our own lives. We are now preparing the way. Guess what 2019 is going to be about? Getting our hands dirty. We did a little bit of it. You know, we went to JA, and that was cool. Late, early last year, we, we, we did some gift stuff for the, for the guys and the gals that go to Socks Place, and those are great. Listen, we're going to get our hands dirty this year, okay? It is time now to go to work. And there is joy in the work. There is joy in the preparation. There is joy in getting together as a family and making a difference for the kingdom of God. Every single one of us can be a part of that. Every single one of us can prepare the way for Jesus. Listen, don't tell me you want to change this community. Remember, I'm not from here. I'm from the Midwest. You don't tell me. You show me. We're going to show them that we love them. We're going to show them that they matter. We're going to show them that things need to change in this world. And that's not going to happen by us hiding in this room. Okay? But listen, we got to prepare ourselves. We're getting ready. If the worship team wants to come up, we're going to close. Listen, I don't want you to walk out of here, um, you know, feeling like, oh, man, what, what's, what's he got planned? Listen, listen, we're, we're going to. We're going to start where God's wanting us to start. We're going to move and start doing some things. But listen, it's time, okay? Okay? It's time. Okay? Because here's the thing. I do not believe that God has called us as an organization to sit here and take up space. He has also not called us to close these doors. So if he has not called us to close the doors and he has not called us to sit here and take up space, he's probably called us to do what he's called every Christian from the very beginning of time to do, which is go and make disciples. Why are we doing cell groups or community groups? Why? Because it's a part of making disciples. 
Why are we going to be doing things out of this place that are going to touch the lives of people? Why? Because we want to get out of here and go and make disciples. We want to help people discover who Jesus is. Guys, you've got to understand something. That stuff out there, I didn't go to Marissa and say, listen, Marissa, I know you got nothing going on, and she's got tons going on. Can you please make those signs for me for no apparent reason? Those have merit. Those matter. You need to go out there. If you don't have those things memorized, memorize them because that's who we are. You want to know what this place is about? Go read that, because that's who we are. You don't like it? I'm sorry. That's who God's called us to be. But those cannot be and will not be vinyl on wood alone. They will be how we move and how we grow and how we do what God's asked us to do. Okay? It's going to be good. Because we're time. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. and I, It's not my intention. It's not my heart. But God, I just feel so strongly that it's time. And God, I don't know. You haven't and I'll admit it to all these people here. I don't know what, exactly what this all looks like. God, I just know you've told us to go. And like Abraham, even though we're not 100% sure where we're going or what, we're gonna look, what it's going to look like, even though, God, you know how much sleep I've lost trying to figure out what we need to do and how we need to do it to reach this community, God, you know. You know. And you will reveal it when the time is right. But just to sit here on our hands and not prepare the way for you is not going to happen. It's not acceptable. It's a command. And we are going to get ready for all that you want to do. We're going to prepare ourselves. We're going to repent. We're going to wash up. We are going to be ready. We're going to start getting paths straightened out. We're going to start moving stuff around. We're going to start bearing fruit so that people see that fruit and go, oh my goodness, if that's Jesus, that's what I want. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to take a new level of commitment from all of us. But God, you will be with us every step of the way. You will give us strength every step of the way. You will put the words in our mouth every step of the way. But God, right now, for myself and everybody here, prepare us to prepare the way for you. Father, if we need to repent of areas in our lives, Father, I pray right now we would do so. Right now, we begin to call out to you. And say, Father, I repent of this thing. And I'm not just feeling sorry for it. I'm turning and I'm walking the other way. Father, for all of us that need to change some things and get some things cleaned up, we need to be completely submerged in you again because we're dry, that we would allow us to do that right now. That it would be a process that has taken place even from the worship to this point right now, that there's been just a submersion. There's just been a, a covering right now by your spirit. Because there's a dry world that needs some hugs or some wet people. And you called us to do it. The Father, that we would understand that, that, that it's not just about sitting there and wishing things got straight for you. But that we would get down in the dirt and we would get into work and we would get to move and we would get to get things laid out and straight. Dealing with people is messy. Dealing with hurt people, they're going to do 
broken things. It's hard. It, it takes work. It's tiring. But God, you're going to give us strength. But it's time to get those paths straight and stop picking up and making mountains that people have a hard time getting over. And God, for the rest, for all of us, we just got to produce more fruit. I don't matter how much we have. It doesn't matter how good it is. We can always produce more and better fruit. I want people that when they taste the fruit I'm producing to say, I want some more of that. And that they understand it's not Aaron they're tasting. It's Jesus. It's his fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And that God, you would help us. We need you. And that Father, please, Father, will you help me with something? If, if, if in the way I've communicated today, if I've communicated too harshly, I'm sorry. Father, will you, will you come behind me and fix the mess I made? Will you help us to understand that this is not, you're not frustrated and I'm not frustrated. It's just sometimes when I communicate, sometimes it'll come across that way and I'm sorry. And Father, that you would help us all to understand that you have great things in store. You are excited, Jesus. You're excited about what you have for this place and the lives that are going to be changed. Jesus, you are excited about the people that will be with us in eternity because we have decided to prepare the way for you. And that isn't, that isn't a, that's, that's something to get excited about. That's something to be joyful about. That's something to go, wow, God, you're going to use this place and you're going to use me and it's going to be glorious and you get all the glory. So, Father, can you do that? Can you help me? And through your spirit, just, just make the sharp edges that I may have communicated smooth because you love them and I love them. And I don't want anybody to get caught. I want them to feel the gentleness of your spirit. You change us by your gentle, loving kindness. And God, sometimes I don't do a very good job. But I know you will. So as we leave this place, change us. Make us more like you. Help us prepare the way for all that you want to do inside us and through us because you got great things you got awesome things we're looking forward to it we love you and we thank you i know it's a little bit late but let's all stand